Get your Bible, turn to uh, Daniel chapter 6. Now, I want to tell you, I, I realized when I jumped into this uh, message today, um, and as I studied several weeks ago and started studying for this, that I have probably spoken more about this particular story than may, maybe anything else over uh, the 30 year history of, of my preaching. And usually I talk about courage because it's such a great uh, lesson on courage and certainly be very applicable to this weekend, Memorial Day weekend. But I wanted to, I wanted to take a different angle uh, with it uh, today. And I wanted to even dive, if I could, a little bit deeper into, I think that is a, a topic of courage, and that's the, the topic of, of integrity. And I, I think integrity is something that... Uh, is extremely important. Any, any leadership book that's worth its salt is going to have integrity as one of maybe the top three characteristics of, of, a, of a phenomenal leader. And yet you look all over the place uh, in, in, in the business world, there's been so much of a lack of integrity over the last many, many years. The political world, we see political leaders falling, like dropping like flies because of lack of integrity. And even recently in the religious world, and I don't know how much you pay attention to all that, we've had some top you know, profile people who have just had to resign, forced to resign because of issues of integrity. And integrity is so important. It's so important for us as Christ followers today. And um, I was reading something uh, actually this morning, uh, Dwight uh, Eisenhower, our former president, military general, he said the supreme quality for leadership is unquestionably integrity. Without it, no real success is possible. No matter whether it is on a section gang, a football field, in an army, or in an office, that's how important integrity is. Well, you say, what is integrity? Well, you probably heard this definition before. It's from C.S. Lewis. Integrity is doing the right thing even when no one else is, 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 is watching. I love this definition from psychologist Brene Brown. She says, integrity is choosing courage over comfort, choosing what is right over what is fun, fast, or easy, and choosing to practice our values rather than simply professing them. That's a great definition of of integrity. Well, this morning, we're going to, again, look at, I think, maybe one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. When I was a little boy, this was just right up there at the very top of of, of things that I wanted to hear in Sunday school. And again, now uh, 30 years of teaching the Bible, I think I still love it as much as I, I did the very first time that I, that I heard it. And uh, if, if you are just even a little familiar with the Bible, you probably know that there is a story in the book, in this uh, book of, of Daniel, where a guy was thrown into the lion's den and God miraculous, miraculously shut the mouths of those lions so he would not be eaten. But what you may not remember or even know is why that happened. What caused him to get thrown into the lion's den in the first place? And you may not even know that God used this amazing story to change the heart of a king. Now, I want to give you a little bit of background. Uh, if you were here last Sunday, uh, we finished chapter five. Paul Richardson talked about the writing on the wall, King Belshazzar. And at the very end of that chapter, he dies. And now Darius the Mede, at the age of 62, now becomes the new king. And if you have been with us this whole series, maybe you're here several weeks ago, you might remember there was uh, another king uh, of Babylon named Nebuchadnezzar who had a prophetic dream. And he dreamt of this giant statue of a man. Well, right here with the crowning of Darius, we move from the gold head of that statue, which represented the kingdom of Babylon, now to 
the chest and the arms of that statue, uh, the chest of silver that represents uh, the Persian empire. The mighty reign of the Babylonians comes to an end right here. And the world reign of the Medo-Persian empire now begins. So what would this power look like? Well, um, they were a little bit different in the way that they ruled. Uh, the Babylonians, they, they, they loved their monarchs. But the Persians, they liked to delegate responsibilities. doesn't mean they were very honest in the way they did it, but that's how they rolled. So we jump into verse 1 here, and let's start reading. It says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps should give account, so the king might not suffer loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because, he, because of an excellent spirit that was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Now, what seemed to be a very strategic move, um, Darius decides to come up with this really good organizational flow chart, this organizational leadership plan for the new Medes and Persians, this new empire. And, uh, and as you may not know, they had conquered a bunch of other nations, including uh, the nation of Babylon. So he has 120 satraps, which are kind of like governors. He has three guys to rule over them, kind of like presidents. So 40 satraps to each guy. But as he watched these guys lead, at the very top of the organizational flow chart, he put the name Daniel because the Bible says that he distinguished himself with an excellent spirit. Now we know Just from reading the story, Daniel was a man of great knowledge and intelligence. Uh, He had a lot of wisdom and a lot of different things and things like literature. He had the ability to understand visions and dreams. He had great people skills. We put a lot of of stock in emotional IQ today. Daniel had a high emotional IQ. But what really separated him from every other official and every other leader was his integrity. Now, I want to talk this morning about four marks of integrity and four marks that we see in Daniel's life. What were those things? Well, verse 3 mentions that he had an excellent spirit. And the very first mark of integrity that we want to see here today is an excellent attitude. Now think about this for a moment. Think about what Daniel has been through up until this point. Daniel had been taken from Jerusalem as a slave when he was a young man. He has now served under three foreign kings in two foreign nations And you think about that and you think most people would have been a complete wreck having gone through all that he had endured. But Daniel knew that God was sovereign over everything that happened in his life and in the world. And because he was secure in God, Daniel could also be secure in himself. And he knew that that security in God gave him the ability to have an excellent attitude. Regardless of what was going on around him, he, because God was in control and God was sovereign and he could trust him, he's like, I can have an excellent attitude. And he was going to need it for what we're about to read here in a few, for a few moments. Now, if you didn't know anything else that was going to happen in the story, okay, I could tell you right from the very first three verses that King Darius and his new head official, Daniel, they're, they're, they're going to have some problems here. Because any time that you take a bunch of leaders, okay, who are equal in authority and you start moving them around the flow chart. Some of you have experienced this before. You're going to have some problems. You put one leader over another and there's a chance you're going to have uh, some fallout, some breakdown here. And that's exactly what happened here. You've got 120 governors, you've got three presidents and Darius goes, you know what, Daniel, I'm going to just put you right above all these guys. You used to be right with them. Now you're just right above all of them, head over all of them. Now keep this in mind. Daniel 
is not a Persian, okay? That would be modern-day Iran. He is not even a Babylonian, modern-day Iraq. He is Jewish, and that was a huge issue. Imagine that if the current president, prime minister of Iran put a Jewish man right under his authority today, there would be some problems, trust me, okay? Verse 4, then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. Now, these officials under Daniel, they decide that they're going to take him out. They don't like the fact that he's a foreigner. They don't like the fact that he's Jewish for sure. They don't like the fact that now he's above them. And so they're going to find something about him to try to take him down. And we find the second mark of integrity. Daniel was faithful in his work. Daniel worked harder for the king maybe than anyone else. He never lied about his hours. He didn't cheat on his taxes. Didn't leave work early and lie about where he was. Didn't fudge on his time card. He was honest and trustworthy in work and in life. Verse 4, the end of it, it says, And no error or fault was found in him. So these guys, now that they've got to come up with something. These, and the next thing they do is they decide that they're going to find something wrong with this character. There's got to be something in this man's closet. And we find the third mark of integrity, that he was faultless in character. So these guys are basically on a smear campaign. You thought it was tough to be a politician today. It was just as tough back then. So these guys, they want, we're going to find something in this guy. We're going to find a skeleton in this guy's closet. And so here's what they do. They check his police record, nothing. They go through his social media history. They can't find anything. Everything looks good. They start interviewing old girlfriends, you know. They can't find anything. They check his finances and his tax records. He's clean. No trace of hypocrisy, no history of dishonesty. There's nothing to hide. And so finally, these clowns go after the very one thing that they thought they knew would nail Daniel to the wall, his walk with God. Verse 5, then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So with this very devious plan in their hand, they walk into the king's presence. They walk by appointment. They walk into Darius's uh, uh, presence. And here's what they say to him. These high officials, verse six. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O king, a little kissing up going on here. O king Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the lion's den, the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. And it says, therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. injunction." What do these guys do? They go right after Darius's ego. They, and, and, and these guys, they play, they play right to Darius's pride. And they present him with a law that will now make it illegal to pray to any other God or man except Darius for now 30 days. They, they now, instead of just having power in government, they now give him power in religion. And what would be that penalty if someone broke this new law? Well, they would be cast into the lion's den. And with his ego well intact, his pride just busting out of himself, Darius gladly signs this new law and he, agree, and he agrees that no changes could be made to it. Nothing, nobody can change this new law, but he's forgetting about something, right? He's forgetting about his top official. 
What does Daniel do? Verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and he prayed and he gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Now, if Daniel had any flaw in his leadership, and honestly, it's not a flaw, I'm joking, but this is it. His prayer life was way too predictable. Because every day, three times a day, facing Jerusalem, windows wide open, Daniel got down on his knees and he prayed to his God. And don't miss the last part of verse 10 because it is extremely important. It says, as he had done previously. You see, prayer wasn't something that Daniel had just started, you know, so he could rebel or tick off Darius or any of his other enemies. He wasn't flaunting his prayer life. He didn't walk into the room and throw the windows up and, you know, raise his hands out and start yelling out, you know, his window. No, no, this is something that he had always done even when no one was watching him. Now, here's an important fact. Daniel was what we call today an octogenarian. Do we have any octogenarians in the room? Anybody? Anybody? If you're, 80, if you're over 80 years old, that, Daniel was 85 years old when this story took place. Now, if you're, 85, if you're 85 years old and you've been praying like this all your life and you've seen God answer prayer and be faithful time and time again, you're not too about to stop praying because some snot-no-say-trap comes and tries to change your ways or threaten your life, right? Because your faith is too deep. Your faith in God is too strong. It's, 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 it's what anchors you. It's the center of your life. You've seen God work time and time and time again. Again, it's your foundation. And so Daniel, he was not threatened by some say-trap or edict or even lines because he knew. He knew who he was. Even though he was a foreigner in a land that actually worshipped idols, worshipped other men. He was, a, he was a child of the one true God. He knew where he was going. He knew that as soon as he breathed his last breath that he would be in God's presence, the God that he had served all of his life. So when the edict was given, Daniel was not going to be swayed by fear. He wasn't going to be, be swayed by, by someone's threat against him. He was just going to keep doing what he had always been doing, openly seeking and following the Lord. And he did it in plain view of anyone that decided to watch him. And he wasn't showing off by having his window open. No, no, no. It's just something that he had always done. It's what he had done previously. Now, most people, when they hear the story, they they associate Daniel's courage with the lion's den. But I believe that the real lion's den, the, the real integrity in the story was what happened in Daniel's bedroom. I think Daniel exercised his greatest moments of integrity when he got down on his knees three times a day in plain view. And he prayed to God because that's where the battles were truly being fought and won. Which leads me to this fourth mark of integrity, a consistent walk with God. Verse 11, then these men came by agreement and they found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. They finally have him. He's breaking the law. They've caught him in the act. He's praying And now they have evidence. And so what do they do? They go right back to the king. They walk into his presence, verse 12. And it says, and they came near and they said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that that anyone who makes petition to any God or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? And the king answered and said, yep, I did that. That the, the thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. 
And then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, he pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. At this moment, Darius realizes he's in trouble. He's been duped. He's been tricked. So what does he do? Verse, six, verse 14 says he is in distress. At a moment when his ego was inflated, his pride overtook his heart and his mind, he forgot all about his most trusted official. The man he had put at the, the very top of, of his flowchart, the guy that he trusted the most, he, he forgot about Daniel. So the Bible says he set his mind to deliver Daniel and he worked to sundown to try to rescue him. But now he, he realizes he, he, has been, he has been tricked by the satrap. And so verse 15, then these men came by agreement to the king and they said to the king, now, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. And the king commanded, yep, And Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And the king declared to Daniel, Oh, Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. I mean, the satraps, they remind, they remind Darius, you sign the law, bud, it cannot be changed. Your your signature's right here. And as a result of that, Daniel is thrown into a, a den of hungry lions. A stone is rolled and placed in front of the entrance of the den. The king puts his, his royal seal over the entrance with his imprint uh, uh, from his royal ring. Daniel's not getting out of there, and certainly no one is going to get in there to rescue him. And you think, man, what a barbaric, brutal way to die. But that's how things were done back in the day. Now, I want to make one quick point before we find out what happens to Daniel. And I know some of you are on the edge of your seat because you don't know what happened to Daniel, right? Here's the thing. Daniel could have avoided this whole scenario. I mean, truly, things didn't have to get to this point. I mean, he he did a great job in the kingdom. He was loved by the king. He probably had a nice house. He ate all the best food he wanted to. He had nice clothes, a lot of money. Plus, he's 85 years old. Daniel could have finished off his life a very wealthy, content man. He could have avoided this whole situation if he would have just done the following three things. He could have avoided the whole lion's den if he would have just hidden his faith, if he would have compromised his integrity and convictions, or if he would have just done nothing. Just done nothing. See, you can avoid a lot of, you can avoid a lot of criticism, a lot of problems, a lot of pushback. If you, if you, if you just hide your faith, compromise your integrity, or do nothing. But what do you feel like at the end of the day? You feel like a coward. You, 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 you feel like you've, you've shipwrecked yourself, your faith. And, and what do you miss out on? You miss out on intimacy with God. You miss out on knowing that your life stands for something greater than this life. And you might even miss out on seeing God do the miraculous. Verse 18, then the king went to his palace and he spent the night fasting. Didn't, didn't eat anything the whole night while he was sleeping. It's It's crazy. No diversions were brought to him and he, and, and sleep fled from him. Now, I love the fact that this king couldn't sleep. I mean, just, just, but just think how Daniel slept. I mean, here's this king, he's tossing and turning, he can't sleep, he's so upset and, and messed up because his guy is in the lion's den and he know that his pride and ego has put him there and here's Daniel. Now, the Bible doesn't say this, but I, I just want to let my imagination run wild if you don't mind. Daniel's laying there, he's pulled up one big fluffy lion, he's just kind of <laughs> put his head over this line right here, he, 
grabs another one. I mean, their mouths are shut. They can't do anything. I don't know if they were declawed, but nothing bad's happening to Dan. Hey, come on over here. Co- cover me up, big guy. You know, it's going to be a long night. And then the Bible says at the morning, at the break of dawn, Darius runs down from his palace to the lion's den to check on Daniel. And verse 20 says, as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? And then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. It's been a great night. May my God, my God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. I love that word blameless. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. And then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Daniel spends a night in a pit with a bunch of hungry lions. He gets pulled out in the morning, doesn't even have a scratch on him. You say, how, how does something like that happen? This story is almost too good to be true. Well, nothing fancy, nothing really out of the ordinary for someone who claims to be a Christ follower, right? But all of his life, from the time that we meet him when he was a young man till this moment in the story, Daniel has been walking consistently day in and day out, walking with God. And he didn't start trusting God and walking with God when he got thrown in the lion's den. No, he had been trusting God all, all along. He had uncompromising faith and integrity when he was a young man, and he has it now at 85 years old. He's still steady, still consistent. Now, there's a lot of lessons we can learn from the den, right? I want to give you a few. First of all, it takes integrity to trust God day in and day out, especially when life gets tough. Especially when you can't see what God's doing. See, here's the integrity challenge. Here's, this is it. When life gets tough, how do you respond? Do you trust God even when, when you can't see how he's going to see you through? Or, or do you go, God, you know what? I can't see what you're doing right here. And quite honestly, I'm ticked off at you. So I'm going to take matters into my own hands and I'm going to compromise myself. I'm going to compromise your values because I'm a little irritated right now. Maybe you have a financial crisis in your life. And you, I mean, here's the deal. You stand at a crossroads every time it happens. Do I trust God or do I steal from my employer? Do I cheat on my taxes? Do I fudge a little bit on my time card even though... I know nobody will catch me. You have an unmet sexual need in your life. Do you you trust God or do you look at porn? Do you you cheat on your spouse? Do you you sleep around before you get married? Do you trust God? I mean, that's integrity test. Maybe you're completely stressed out. I mean, you, you are full of anxiety. You're emotionally drained. Do you trust God? Or do you escape from stress and, and depression, maybe through alcohol or drugs or even some kind of addiction, maybe a video game addiction, whatever it looks like. But here, here, here's my, my, my counselor friend, Chip Judd's explanation of how we fall into sin. He says, sin cycles occur when we try to meet the right need in the wrong way. Sin cycles occur, occur when we try to meet the right need in the wrong way. See, many of us right now in, in this room, you, you, you're going through a really, really tough time in your life. You're experiencing a tough moment. Will you trust God? Will you trust him that he sees you? 
Will you trust him that, that, that he knows what you're going through, that he cares for you deeply, that, that he wants to help you? Will you really believe that he's a provider, a deliverer, a rescuer? Or will you try to meet a need in your life? Maybe it's the right need, but, but you want to meet it, you're going to meet it in the wrong way. Will you shipwreck your integrity? You say, Brian, that's just easy for you to say right now. You seem like you're up there just doing fine. Life's great for you on this Memorial Day weekend. Things are falling apart for me. I'm in the lion's den right now, and I see no way out. i got to jump in and help God. Second thing we learn here, God doesn't allow us to go into the lion's den alone. He goes in there with us. I mean, you think about this for a moment. God, God could have prevented Daniel from being thrown into the lion's den, but, but he chooses not to. And we look at that and we go, that doesn't even make sense because Daniel's walking with God. Daniel is consistent day in, day out. He's got a whole track record of faithfulness. He's, he's doing everything right. Remember, remember the story a few weeks ago of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Great guys. Upstanding citizens. Followers of God. And yet, God could have prevented them from being thrown into the fiery furnace as well, but he did not. Instead, he chose to walk in there with him. God allowed the lion's den. God allowed the furnace. Could have stopped both. But instead of stopping them, he chose instead to go into the trouble with his children. Who was in that furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? The Bible says the Son of God was in there with him, with them. Who was in the lion's den with Daniel? It says an angel of God, God's presence, a representation of God's presence was in there with them. And I love the last part of verse 23. It says, so Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him. Why? Because, let's say it together, he had trusted in his God. It's like a big banner that just flies over Daniel's life. He trusted in his God. Didn't matter what was going on in his life, he just trusted in him. And here's another thing I want you to grab from this is that God will use a life of integrity, even at moments like this, to draw the world to his son, Jesus. I love this. Darius, so inspired by Daniel's integrity. Darius is a, he's an idol worshiper. He's as lost as you could possibly be. He, 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 he's inspired by his integrity and his courage and his faithfulness, and he makes a decree that now the whole nation will now fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. And then he pens these words in verse 26. Look at this. He says, for, for he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never re- end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Now, if you don't think that integrity makes a difference in the life of an unbeliever, you just remember the story. You just remember how it impacted Darius's life. See, I believe the world is constantly watching to see if we will live out on Monday what we say, what, what we, say we believe on Sunday. I, I believe in, in proclaiming the gospel with words, but those words become empty when we don't back them up with actions. Our, our actions have to preach the power of the gospel in the way that we treat people, in the way that we operate on, on social media, in the way that we respond to tough things, in the way that we go through. The, as we walk through tough times, the world watches us to see if we really believe what we sing about, what we preach about. I know that the, world, the world's watching the world. Your, your children are watching you. Your coworkers are watching you. 
Students, I know you don't think this sometimes, but your friends in school are watching if you actually believe what you say you believe. And they're, they may not be listening to your words, but they're watching how you act. You say, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. I, I don't, man, Brian, you don't have any clue how tough I'm, the, the things I'm going through right now. You have no idea. I want you to hold on to this promise. God promises to bless those who walk with integrity. Amy and I had a chance to share uh, with our young adults. We had a chance to get interviewed on prayer this past Thursday night and just loved our young, that was so great. I love what God's doing with our young adults in this church right now. And, and I just told this story, many of you have heard this. 1991, I, I went through a broken engagement. I was 28 days from getting married. Um, I mean, my apartment was filled with wedding presents and all the parties had been had. The honeymoon was booked. The, the church was ready to go. We had already done premarital counseling. I mean, the whole deal. And uh, the, the girl I was engaged to uh, felt called to the mission field. And I did not. I was a student pastor. That's, I, I believe God was leading me in a different direction. And so uh, she was away at school, flew her in, picked her up. By the time we got to her house, we had broken off the engagement. And I drove away from her house. I, I, I was crying and I'm, I'm just, I'm angry. And I'm like, God, what are you doing? Are you serious? And now listen, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I had a lot of thoughts going through my mind about some stupid things, all right, that I could have done at that very moment. And pulled my car over the side of the road. And I'm like, I just got to get myself together because I'm, I'm not sure what I'm about to do next. And so, no, no, do something stupid. I'll go into sin. What, what am I going to do here? So I just buried my head in the steering wheel and I cried. And at that moment, God put a verse on my heart that I learned when I was a young boy. And it's this, Psalm 84, 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. And I just kept just thinking about that verse over and over. And I thought, Lord, you promise to be a sun and a shield, a protector. Lord, you, 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 you bestow honor and favor. If, if, if you're going to put the spotlight on someone, that's, that's your call. But what I was grabbing onto is, Lord, no good thing, no good thing, no good thing does God withhold from those whose walk is blameless. And you're like, well, wait a minute. God's holding, withholding a good thing right now. Maybe he knows it's not that good. No good thing. And so I just went, okay, God, you're saying that. That means you've got someone better ahead for me. And I'm like, now I can't wait to meet her. All right. And so a few months after that, and it was tough. I don't want to just say everything was, I mean, it was tough, 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 tough. And uh, uh, took another job, went back to where I went to college in Lynchburg, Virginia, and met walking down the hall of this uh, Christian, high, Christian school. And I, I, I see this new middle school teacher walk past me. She just grabbed my attention right from day one. And uh, I don't know if she saw me, but I saw her for a long time. And, and, and a few weeks after that, uh, some middle school students introduced me to her. I kind of rigged that. They middle sc- just threw me into her, her room, and we went out on a, on a date. And, and just through just a long period of dating and stuff like that, I was sharing with her some of the stories, and I said, I said, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm holding on to this verse right now that just... The Lord God is a sun and shield. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. And she went, you're kidding me. She says, that's what I'm holding on to. It's the same exact verse 
that God put on my heart last year when I graduated from college and I didn't know what I was going to really do. I, I didn't know where I was going to be. And I'm not, at this moment, I'm not, you know, I don't have anybody that I'm seriously interested in outside of you. And, um, and then she asked me to marry her at that moment. And no, she didn't. She didn't. It, it, it took a lot more to get, get her there. But we, um, but it was like God put our hearts together. We were, praying, we were praying the same verse. We were claiming the same verse, not even knowing each other. And she was praying for me. And she started praying when she grabbed hold of this verse that God would, would protect her husband. She didn't know if he was going through a, a tough time at that moment. And, but she started praying for me. And I was praying for her, not knowing who she was. God blesses integrity. You may not know it. You may not feel it, but he does. And if you want to grab hold of that verse and claim it yourself, you do that. You may be at a crossroads right now wondering, what should I do next? God bless his integrity. You may be standing there going, you know what? I've done a lot of stuff and nobody is, 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 is honoring me. Nobody's noticing what I'm doing here. I'm going to make a name for my... God, he bestows favor and honor. It's his job. Brian, I'm getting attacked right now. I'm getting attacked right now. I'm going after somebody. I want some flesh. God is a son and a shield. No good thing does he withhold. What happens to Daniel's accusers? Verse 24, I'm just going to read it. And the king commanded, and those men who had been maliciously accusing Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, and they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. The story just got a little R-rated at that moment, all right? Here's the last thing I want, to, I want you to grab. It's so important. Integrity is developed in our relationship with Jesus. Let me tell you what I believe are maybe the two most important words in the whole Bible, okay? In Christ, in Christ. This book right here calls us to walk worthy, to to walk with integrity, to live a righteous life, to live a holy life, to set ourselves apart from the world. The The word's called consecrate, sanctify, to live free from sin, to forgive those who have hurt us. To, 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 to share grace with those who may not deserve it, to love our enemies, to walk blameless. And we look at that and we go, that's impossible stuff right there. Mm-hmm. A few summers ago, I, I, I decided to meditate on this verse here from 1 Corinthians 1.30. Paul says, it is because of him that you're in Christ who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. How? I mean, how in the world can you walk with integrity in, the, in this challenging world that just seems to pull at that. It's almost like being dishonest gets honored. You know, being, having no integrity gets exalted. How can, how can we be holy? How can you be righteous? How can you conquer temptation? How can you live a blameless life? It's because of Jesus. Because of the fact that God sent Jesus to die for my sins, to offer me forgiveness, and he adopted me into his family as his very own, and now he calls me as his own child. And because of all of that, the Bible says, I am now in Christ. How do I walk in obedience to God's word? How, how, how do I do that? Jesus is my righteousness. He's my holiness. He's my redeemer. He's my strength. He's my wisdom. He's my defender. He's my power. He's my courage. He is my integrity. So every time I die to myself, and I have to die quite a bit, by the way, and I let Jesus live his life through me by the power of his Holy Spirit, not only does he strengthen me by faith, he strengthens my faith to trust him, but he he strengthens my resolve not to compromise, not to sin, not to walk 
away from him, but to, to live with integrity, even when things are really tough and you feel like doing something very different. You feel like meeting, maybe it's a right knee, but you feel like meeting it in the wrong way. God does that. You say, how is that? How do you know that for sure? How do you know you can trust him? Because I know he's with me. He promises to be with me. The Bible says, without Jesus, we can do nothing, right? You don't have Jesus in your life. The Bible says you can do nothing. I mean, you just, integrity, I mean, it's your best efforts. Some days good, some days not. Without Jesus, you can do nothing. But with Jesus in your life, all things are possible. All things are possible. Nothing is impossible when you're in Christ. So, let's bow our heads for a moment. I I know some of you are in a tough time right now, walking through a dark valley. You're in a lion's den. No good thing will he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. He is with you. He is in there with you. He's watching over you, protecting you. He's guiding you. He's guarding you. Brian, I have some needs in my life. They're not being met right now. You trust him to meet those needs. That's how much he loves you. Struggling with an addiction, you give it to God. He's given you the power. He's broken the chains of addiction on the cross. The blood is enough to cover you today. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus to to, to be your savior of your life, you never put your faith and trust in him. You've never asked him for forgiveness. You've never received salvation, his gift of being rescued, not only from a life without him, but from an eternity without him. Now's your moment. Just pray with me. Say, Lord, at this very moment, the best way I know how, I put my faith and my trust in Jesus and I ask him to be my savior. The lion's den I'm in right now is spiritual death and I want to be rescued from that. And so at this moment, I ask you to forgive me my sins. I repent, change my mind about what I was what I thought would get me to heaven before, what I thought would get me close to God, or even the fact that I rejected him up to this moment, I changed my mind about that. And I put my faith in Jesus Christ alone and I receive salvation. What Jesus did for me on the cross was enough. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Head still bowed. Father, walk with us, every one of us, Lord, to realize that tomorrow, today, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're, we, walk, we, we, we live our lives in Christ. Our righteousness, our holiness, our integrity, our ability to be blameless. Lord, it comes from Jesus. Without Jesus, we can do nothing. But with Jesus, everything can happen. Everything's possible. Nothing is impossible. Regardless of what the world throws at us, we can walk before you with integrity, knowing that you honor it, but the world's watching us. And our lives could be a testament of the gospel, of the saving power of Jesus as we say no to the tough things and we say, we say, we say yes to the hard things at moments where we, we have to choose integrity over sin. Give us that strength today. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.